We have been talking for the last several weeks just about some of these basics of the faith, some of these things that are, are kind of just kind of pillars of the faith. And um, I, I, I want to talk today a little, bit, uh, about, a little bit about our vision and kind of where it comes from as a church, how, how we see these things going together. But I want to encourage you, if you are in this faith journey, if you're, if you're walking with Jesus or you're considering it, maybe you're here and you're questioning, I don't know if I'm really, if I believe in all this stuff quite yet. I don't know where I sit in all this stuff. I want to encourage you. Um, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about just some of those base, basics of the faith. We talked about um, how to read your Bible, um, how, to, how to read the Bible and get something out of it a few weeks ago. We talked about prayer last week um, or two weeks ago. Last week, we talked about missions and why it's so important. And I just want to encourage you. That's, that's really um, the heartbeat behind our vision is, is those three things coming together. Now, it's interesting. So many times when we're talking about these things and we're having conversations and we're doing these things, I start to be able to have the same conversation in a lot of different ways with a lot of different people. And one of the things that I've heard multiple times over the last two or three weeks uh, is like this concept of how do I grow in my faith with Jesus? And the answer is, is usually something along the lines of, I need to pray more and I need to read the Bible more, right? Which, listen, those are huge. You want to hear the word of God. You want to connect with God. You want to grow in relationship. That's all part of it, right? If you want to grow in understanding of who God is, read the word that he gave us and understand it. it. It's the same thing. You want to grow in a relationship with God. I think you need to talk to him and not just when you need something from him. Right? Like, we all have that friend, right, that only comes around and calls when they want something from us. Right? Like, hey, I need to borrow that. Or, hey, can you do this? Or, hey, I'm, I'm a little short. Or, hey, you know, or like maybe it's that friend that you always go out to the restaurant with and they're, they've always just forgot their wallet at home. You know, like, it's, we all have that friend that only really gets together with us when they want something. And would that person be considered your best friend, most likely? Probably not. Maybe at the beginning, and after a while, you're just kind of like, well, what do you want this time? Right? Which tool are you going to borrow and not bring back today? Right? What, what, what is it that you're going to ask? Right? right? It's just kind of one of those things. And again, please don't misunderstand. God is perfect, and God is good, and you can go to God with your request, but God wants more from you and with you than just to be the guy you ask for stuff. Right? grow in relationship with Jesus, to grow in relationship with God is to start talking to him, not just asking him for stuff, right? And I want to encourage you to do that. But really, one of the things that I think is super important about, about understanding as we grow in faith, about understanding as we grow in these kind of things, um, there are some, some things that you see in scripture when you're looking like patience. How many of you could grow in patience? My hand is up, okay? I, like, not as, as to show you what to do. I struggle with patience a lot of days. Um, I have four children. I used to think I was a lot more patient than I do now because my level of patience has been revealed. <laughs> there are also certain circumstances, if you've ever heard me talk about the McDonald's drive through you know it's a place where I struggle with patience. Um, what? My wife is making sassy comments from the front row right now. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
Patience is an area where I struggle. Now, I have prayed for God to give me patience many times. And I have to be honest and say, God has never just given me patience. I don't feel like God has ever just been like, here's some patience. Go for it. We see in James, there's a bit of a formula for how to grow in patience. Through trials and struggles will our patience grow. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying if you pray for patience, God's like, yes, I get to throw a trial at him. But in the struggle, in the trial, God will remind you, patience, patience, patience. And our growth in Christ is so many times like that, right? Like, I wish I could just sit down here and be like, Jesus, please just make my faith stronger. Awesome. And walk away and that's it. Right? I, I wish I, that, maybe that's worked for you. Now, I have sat down and prayed for God to do things in my life and seen miraculous answers. Please don't mistake what I'm saying. God has healed. God has brought wisdom and direction. Like, I have seen those kind of things. But when I've just prayed to be stronger in my faith, you know what God usually provides? is a chance for me to grow in my faith. To react one of two ways. To just continue to walk how I've been. Or to grow. Right? I would challenge you to look at the life of Paul. And see his growth track. And see where he grew the most. Right? For Paul to be able to one day say... I've run the race. Like I have accomplished what God wanted me to accomplish. You think he got that from just sitting around in his barca lounger in front of the fireplace and being like, God, help me to be like you? No. He was out sharing his faith, growing, going through trial after trial after trial, but choosing Jesus every time and growing in his faith. I want to encourage you today that struggle isn't an indicator of a lack of faith, but struggle so many times is a chance for us to grow in our faith. And we need to choose those things. We were talking just this week um, back in our, on our Wednesday night Bible study through 1 Corinthians, and let me tell you, the discussion got real this week. Right? Like, I mean, Paul just covered some topics this week that were serious. And we got to walk through them. And since that night, I have been on the phone a lot. Had some people drop by my office. Um, it, we just had these conversations about what faith in the hard stuff looks like. And I want to continue talking uh, about that today. I want to continue to look at all of this stuff. Um, and, and I just want to encourage you to take a look at, at how God puts this stuff together. Um, I, I'm so encouraged by the life of Paul, not discouraged by it. It's such an important thing for us as we grow in our relationship with God, as we take a look at who he is, as we try and, and find out um, 
you know, where we stand in his plan, it's so important for us to just be in, um, in his word and really let him speak. Um, so I want you to turn to, I didn't write down the book of the Bible. Awesome. I wrote down the chapter and verse. Here we go. I, I don't want to lie. I'm 95% sure where it's going to be. We're going to make sure. Vince just texted me, no worship night, just in case you were, you were wondering about that. Usually picking up this thing is a bad sign because then all you jokers start texting me right away. Awesome. There you go. Come on, stop texting me. (laughs) (sighs) These are the moments I live for as a pastor. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Patience. I'm not, I'm not losing it. So not this time. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three, verse one. Yep. I get it. Now my daughter who is sick and watching at home is texting me. Um, <laughs> Good to know the live stream caught up. So (laughs) Ephesians chapter three, verse one says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles. I want you to just stop and think about that, that sentence right there. Paul is writing to a church that is it really becomes one of the hub churches of, of the modern, of, of like the, the, the modern day in their modern day uh, uh, thing. Ephesians is a very wealthy town. Ephesus is a very wealthy town. The Ephesians, he goes through all kinds of crazy struggles in this town. Um, they run him out of town. They, they just a group of people that follow him around um, trying, to, trying to get rid of him. But this church becomes kind of like a pillar church in the area through all the struggle. And I want you to just think for just a second about the very opening line of this chapter. I, Paul, a what? What does that mean? It means he's a prisoner. Right? Not trying to trick you. It literally means he's in jail writing this letter. Paul is not writing this from his dining room table with a cup of coffee, right, and, 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 a, and a, a, you know, his favorite donut, you know, sitting there. Paul is in prison. He's a prisoner. And why is he a prisoner? He says he's a prisoner for the benefit of the Gentiles. Verse 2, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles, as I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. So what is Paul writing? He's saying, God's got a plan and he's revealing it to you right now. You Gentiles, who the Jews for generations didn't think were part of the plan. 
okay? Gentile, by the way, just in case you're not familiar with that word, is anyone who's not a Jew. So probably most of us in this room. Verse six, and this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. See, for a long time, the Jews thought that they were it. For a long time. And actually, even if you go back and read the Old Testament, you can see God tells them not to intermarry with Gentiles, but he provides a way for foreigners to become Jews. Right? Like, from, from the get-go, God's plan was to use the Jews to be a beacon to the world of what it was supposed to be to serve God. But instead of being that beacon, they became an extremely close society who weren't welcoming to anybody who was not already a Jew and really ultimately thought that they were the only ones God liked. And that's what we see Jesus kind of step into, right? Like that's, that's what we see Jesus kind of walk into that kind of idea. And, and it's a big deal. Even you can see so much of the New Testament. When you're reading through the New Testament, so much of it is dedicated to, now listen, Jewish people. The Gentiles are part of the family. Stop trying to make them be Jews. They don't have to be Jews to be part of the family. They just have to follow Jesus. Like, I mean, I just summed up three quarters of the New Testament. Like, that's, that's, that is the message. That is what they are trying to get across to us, is that we're all one family, and it all happens by belonging to Christ. It's verse 7, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading the good news. Though I'm the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. You need to hear this for a second because some people read things like that and they're like, oh, Paul's so modest. He's the least. He's, he's just being, you know, that fake kind of modest where he doesn't really want to say how great he is. No, Paul was a genocidal mass murderer. That's what he was. Read it. Read his story. Paul sought out Jews who had converted to Christianity and his whole goal was to kill him. That's genocidal mass murderer. That's what he was. That's who he was before he met Jesus. So when you read I'm the least of these and you're like, oh, Paul. You're shortchanging the work of Christ. Because Paul, by any stretch of the imagination, would have been a struggle for a first century Jew to take. Because he'd probably killed somebody that they knew. Hear it. You want to see forgiveness in action? Think about the person writing scripture murdered your mom. Because she believed in Jesus. Or your uncle. Or your best friend. He went out of his way to find them and see him put to death. And now he's going to tell you how to do faith. Friend, that's the gospel. I, 
please don't mistake what I'm about to say. Like, I'm not laughing at you, but I, I think it's laughable when we as mostly modern day people come, come into places like this and we're like, well, if you really knew what I had done, then, then you'd know why God couldn't forgive me. And can I tell you that sentiment while I know it and I felt it at different times, like I don't feel like I'm good enough, I felt that at different times, that sentiment is to completely ignore who God uses in the Bible over and over again, New and Old Testament alike. This is not a collection of superstars, the Bible, right? The, it's the story of God using some of the most imperfect people of all time for God's glory, not theirs. But we're so concerned with calling them saint, we've forgotten their story. Paul, I am the least of the apostles, but I'm so grateful that God is giving me a chance to share his good news. Hear it for what it is. Can I tell you, that's what growth and maturity looks like. What stagnation looks like is, well, God can't use me because my past is too bad. We've probably all been there. If you've been serving Jesus for any amount of time, you've probably been in the point where you were like, man, how could God use this gigantic mess that I see in the mirror? I've had those thoughts. I've thought those things more recently than I care to admit sometimes. But can I tell you a growing relationship with God doesn't say, man, I'm a mess. It says, look at what Jesus can do with this mess. And that's where Paul's at. That's where he's at. Not in that condescending, prideful thing of like, well, look how awesome I am. But in a way that still recognizes I'm a mess but I serve a God who's going to use me anyway. I serve a God who's going to use me anyway. Verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Have you ever thought about that before? Like God using messes like Paul and Gentiles and Jews and people with all these broken stories just to show how big a variety of people that he can use. So when you're like, God can't use me because I don't fit the mold, what you're saying is, is God's plan isn't real. And I know that's not what you think you're saying, but according to the scripture, God's plan from the very beginning was to use varied people with varied paths and varied stories so that everybody can see, even though we all come to Christ from a different place, there is one Savior, and that is Jesus, and he is the path to heaven. Can I just tell you, I don't care how bad you think your story is. It's not so bad that Jesus can't use you. It's not so bad that Jesus can't use you. Paul, the Paul, the Paul who wrote so many parts of the Bible, I couldn't remember which one we were supposed to be in today, has that kind of a story. Verse 12, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly 
and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. I grew up in a church, and I know, and I pray that this is not all of your story or most of your story, but I grew up in a church where the idea of going to God's presence boldly um, and confidently was unheard of. We were worms eking our way into the presence of an almighty God, like face down, sucking carpet, no room whatsoever for boldness or confidence. It was like crawling into the presence of God and being like, please don't kill me today, Jesus, here I come. And it was all based on fear and this idea of holiness that had nothing to do with holiness in scripture, right? It was just about following a bunch of rules, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know why a PG-13 movie was okay, but an R1 was going to send me to hell. I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have a good answer to that question. I don't know why uh, Go Fish was going to send me to hell, um, but Monopoly wouldn't. Um, like, they, they both use cards. I don't understand how this works. I don't know why I could wear pants with a button and a zipper, but my sisters couldn't because they were girls, so that meant they were going to hell. Um, you know, like... The idea of, of coming into Christ's presence boldly and confidently was not at all on the agenda. It was all about being so fakely, fakely, I don't even know what the right word is because the right word isn't humility, but that's what they tried to teach us through all that. To be so fake that we would come to God as worms. And what Paul says right here is not, not because we're great, not because we're worthy, not because we deserve it, but because Christ and our faith in him. He's talking to Gentiles. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to people who have tried to kill him. He's talking to people who were excited when he got ran out of town. He's talking to people who were miserable when he got out, ran out of town. But now because of our faith in Jesus Christ and because of who he is, we can boldly and confidently walk into the throne room of God. Can I tell you, church, some of you need to just read that over and over and over again until it sticks in. Like just... Don't read anything else in the Bible for the next week. You just take that verse and you put it everywhere you're going to look and you put it everywhere you're going to think and you read that until you get it. Read it until you get it. Not because you're great, but because of how great he is. Stop thinking of yourself as a failure and start seeing yourself as a child of God. Stop looking at all the things you did wrong and start looking at what he did in you. And let it resonate in your heart until you get it. And when you get it, what does Paul say? It's time to take it to the rest of the people. Let's keep reading. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, isn't, again, isn't that interesting? Because Paul play, prays to the God of his glorious, unlimited resources. And how do we approach God? Like, God, I don't know if you've got time for me today. I know you're off curing cancer, but I'm really struggling with this thing, and I don't know if that matters to you or not. It's time to stop limiting what God can do. 
It's time to stop thinking of God's power and authority as limited and start realizing how big and strong and powerful and unending his ability and his love and his power is. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ, verse 17, will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go, grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. What does Paul pray for them? What does he know will help them grow? What does he know is going to make an impact in their life more than anything else is to just understand how much God loves you. This is the problem with coming to God as a worm instead of as a child. I'm a parent of four kids. I have not modeled Jesus perfectly to my children. I have not modeled the great loving God perfectly to my children. Sorry, guys. But I hope that my kids know that when they're struggling and when they're hurting, they don't have to come to me as beggars. That when they don't understand what's happening and when they feel like they're not worth anything, that they can come to their dad and have life breathed into them. I know some of you didn't have a dad like that and that makes this really hard. But when we think of God as this angry authoritative dictator who's just disappointed in us all the time, what kind of God do we show to the people around us? And what Paul wants them to see is that it doesn't matter where you came from. I am the least of the apostles. I have done things that I am ashamed of. But Jesus chose me. Jesus forgave me. And now I can come boldly into his throne. And what I want you to see is what I've seen. How deep and how long and how wide the love of Christ is for you. It's so much you'll never fully get it. Did you read that? It's so great you can never fully understand it. But when we just see it a little bit more clearly, it changes us from the inside out. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in his church and in Christ through all generations forever and ever. Paul is showing us a model and he's teaching us how, how we can let God grow 
in our lives. Maybe model is too structured a word. But he's giving us one way that we can allow God to grow in us. It's to realize that who we are is not as nearly as important as who we are in Christ. Who we were is not nearly as important as who Christ is in us. And instead of dwelling on all of the reasons why God can't use us, let's focus in on how much he loves us. Let's focus in on how great God's love for us is. And can I just be honest with you and tell you when that has been my mindset, I've been a lot more valuable to the kingdom of God. (laughs) I don't mean like my soul is more valuable. I mean like I'm an active participant in the kingdom of God instead of just an observer. Because it's really hard to get excited to to share with people about a God that I'm terrified of. Maybe that works for some of you. Maybe being scared of God is all the motivation you need, but it wasn't for me. I don't operate that way very well. I really told very few people about my relationship with Jesus when it was all about rules and fear. But the moment it became about a love for God and what he did to change my life, all of a sudden, people told me I should shut up about it. I'm not talking about being rude but it was all I could talk about because it, it had made such an impact in my life. Going from being the angry, broken, just fed up young man that I was to being healed, to being restored, to know I was loved by a heavenly father. It made such a big difference in my life. I couldn't shut up about it. And I'm still talking about it now. Doesn't mean you're all going to get called to do this. Don't, don't freak out about that, okay? But our, our vision for this church is to reach our community through building relationships. And can I tell you, there's no motivation to do that whatsoever when we have the wrong view of who we are and who God is. Why do you want to share that? Can I tell you, you don't want to even, aside from reaching out to our communities, right? We don't even want to reach across to the next aisle, right? Like you don't even want to look at the person who's sitting next to you being like, hey, let's grow in relationship together, right? This isn't just about people coming to know Jesus. This is about helping us grow as Christians, right? Like that's, that's what the whole vision statement is all about. We help each other grow. We grow as we reach out into the community. Like this is all about building up a faith, taking Jesus, right? And, and so that, so just like Paul says here, so that through all the generations forever and ever, they can have their glory in Christ Jesus, right? Like we, it's, it's about reaching out there. But even in here, when we're just beat up and miserable and thinking God hates us and doesn't really like us, but thank God he's a God of love because even this God who doesn't really like me can at least let me go to heaven, maybe. You really want to help other people grow in that? You really want to reach out in that? And can I tell you, it is so important 
for us to wrap our minds around who Christ is. Now, I need to give a little disclaimer. I, I said this at the beginning. We've been talking about some of these basics of the faith. We had a huge conversation on Wednesday night. I've been having conversations for the last two or three weeks. I have been planning this sermon since October. On this date, this has nothing to do with our conversation. Okay? But I want you to hear that God's been preparing for you for all of these conversations that I've been having. For, and I'm, if you're having that many with me, I know there's more happening in our church. God's been ready for you. He's been making this way for you. And I don't want you to leave this place this morning without doing business with Jesus. It's 11.50. I'm done. They're not. So parents, you don't, go get, you don't get to go pick up your kids for 10 minutes anyway. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Ann to just play some of our non-copyrighted music back there. I'm just going to pray and close us, but I'm going to open up this altar space. I'm going to open up your space out there in your chairs. I want you to do some business with Jesus today. If you've been in this place, if you've been battling with this whole God can't use me kind of mentality, it's time to lay it at the feet of Jesus today and just see how much he loves you again. If you've been struggling and feeling overwhelmed with circumstances in your life, I get it. It's cra- I've had four sick kids and a sick wife in the last eight days, right? Like, it can be overwhelming sometimes. It's time to just calm down and realize how much Jesus loves us. If you feel like, oh, if you really knew what I'd done, you'd know God could never use me. It's time to lay it at the feet of Jesus and just see how deep and how wide and how long his love is for you and let it change you. If you're in here and you don't know Jesus and you'd like to today, come and talk to me. But I'm gonna pray. If you're good, feel free to go. But I'd love to see you do some business with Jesus. I don't care if you've been serving Jesus for 10 minutes or 10,000 years. That would be incredible. We can all understand a little bit better who God is and how much he loves us today. Because it's so vast, we can never fully wrap our minds around it. Just let it sink in a little bit more today than you have in the past. God, you're good. I thank you for your word. I thank you for its truth. God, I have been in every one of these situations where I didn't feel good enough, where I thought my past was too bad, where I was just overwhelmed by circumstances, where I was just bored in my faith and didn't know what to do. I've been in, I've been in every one of those circumstances at different times. And I know how impactful it is in every one of those circumstances to just get a clearer picture of who you are. I pray you grow that in me. I pray that you help me to see how much you love me. And I pray that everybody who's watching this online, everybody who's listening to it on podcast, everybody that's in this room, I pray that right now, in these moments, you help us to know you a little better. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Do some business with Jesus, church.